Well, as we focus on Thanksgiving this week, uh, I can be thankful uh, that my team didn't even lose by 50 points yesterday. Um, We only lost by 49 uh, points. Um, And on the bright side, uh, I was helping a recent Carla move, so I missed the first 42 points that were scored uh, yesterday. All by the Buckeyes, ouch. But after I started watching it, we only lost 14-7. to That's a close game, right? Uh, So I could be thankful uh, for that. So yeah, you go, everybody, go ahead and laugh. Be thankful you are a Spartan fan uh, today. But watch out, because Tuck is coming, and we'll be back. Uh, Don't you worry. Um, uh, But when it comes down to it, uh, we all have so many reasons uh, to be thankful. Um, whether that revolves around thankful that your team won yesterday, thankful your team didn't lose by 50 points yesterday, thankful for your family, thankful for your church. There's so many reasons that we all have to be thankful. The issue is that uh, we all fail to recognize so many reasons in which we should be thankful. And just like every other issue that we experience today, nothing is new under the sun. I mean, humanity has faced this issue, uh, forgetting all the reasons as to why we should be thankful for, for thousands of years. And, And this is exemplified in the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 17, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 17 this morning, and we're going to be reading verses 11 through 19. We get to see that the people around 2,000 years ago struggled with the same issue that we do today and failing to thank God for the many reasons, as, many reasons as to which we should be thankful. So in Luke chapter 17 and verse 11, It reads, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So here, uh, Jesus, this is right before Jesus was crucified, right before he entered the city of Jerusalem. It says there he's on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus, he was very well familiar. He knew that Jerusalem was the place he was going to die. It was the place he's going to be crucified. He talked about this in the very next chapter, in chapter 18, verses 31 through 33. He tells his disciples that, listen, guys, this place, Jerusalem, which we are going, this is the place that I must die. The the things that have been written must be fulfilled in this place, Jerusalem. And so here he's traveling along between Samaria and Galilee. And Ben, if you have uh, that map uh, over here, to kind of give you guys context, I I like to know a lot of times we read these different locations uh, in the Bible, but I I want a visual picture representation. As I'm uh, more of a visual learner. Any other visual learners out there? Yeah, a a lot of us. Um, And so here, Galilee and Samaria, uh, two uh, regions. This is all uh, modern day, uh, around modern day Israel. You see there on the left, that's the Mediterranean Sea. On top of the Mediterranean Sea would be present day Turkey. Below the Mediterranean Sea, we'd have Egypt. Egypt Egypt is what most people uh, pronounce it. I would not recommend pronouncing it Egypt. Uh, you might get some funny faces like I am getting. Uh, but Egypt, uh, to the south of the Mediterranean uh, Sea there. Um, and there in Israel, uh, between Galilee and Samaria, so around the town of Nazareth, which uh, many of us may be familiar with, 
familiar that Jesus was raised in the town of Nazareth. He's known as Jesus of Nazareth or uh, Jesus of Galilee. Yes, thank you for the mouse. Uh, we, we talked about a laser this morning, but I forgot the laser. Um, and so Jesus, he's likely traveling from the west to the east there over to the Jordan River. As uh, people, when they took long journeys, they would travel by a body of water, especially fresh water, so that they would be able to replenish replenish themselves. And he's on his way down to Jerusalem, which is down the Jordan River. We know he enters Jericho, which is down uh, that Jordan River as well. Yes, Jericho, right next to that Jordan River, and eventually makes his way over to Jerusalem. And so this is the journey that Jesus is on, his journey uh, to basically uh, to die. Uh, And he was well aware of of this. And so on this journey, as Jesus is passing along between Samaria and Galilee, in verse 12, it reads, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now, a leper is someone who had leprosy. And leprosy was a skin disease, uh, a somewhat common skin disease, um, from what we can tell as leprosy is talked about pretty frequently throughout both the Old and New Testament. But it was a skin disease that caused scabs, crusts on the skin, white spots, and it was a contagious skin disease. So when someone had leprosy, it was Jewish law that these lepers would be quarantined from the rest of the society. They would be cast out of the city, out of the walls, as nobody else wanted to catch this contagious disease of leprosy. And so that's exactly what we see here as Jesus, he's walking along uh, between Samaria and Galilee, and he enters a village. He met 10 lepers who stood at a distance because they couldn't convene with the rest of the society. They were outsiders. The only fellowship that lepers had were other lepers. It, it, it was a sad life to live forever long. Uh, they struggled with this contagious uh, skin disease as they were quarantined from the rest of society. I mean, we are pretty well familiar with the mental, emotional, and spiritual trauma that quarantine can cause us. And here today in the 21st century, we, we have access to uh, phones. We have access to when, when we were quarantined here in Ohio, uh, Jamie and I, we were able to talk to our families and we could see their faces on our phones. We, we had that connection still, even though we were quarantined. The lepers in that day, they, they did not have this. They were completely isolated from the rest of society. And, and, and so it was something that really deeply affected these people. And so as Jesus encounters these lepers in verse 13, it reads, and lifted up their voices. So the lepers, they see Jesus and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so as the lepers, they see Jesus coming, they identify him as a master. They, they knew that this guy, he has something special about him. They knew that they could ask him for healing, quite possibly because they're right around the hometown of Jesus and, and, and Nazareth and Galilee. That's where Jesus was from. And so they identify that, hey, this guy might be able to cure us of this skin disease, this disease that is isolating us from our families, from our spouses, our children, our parents, our friends, our jobs, isolating us from everyone. 
And so Jesus, he tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, this would have been uh, quite uh, the bold action because these lepers, they were supposed to be isolated. They were quarantined. And here Jesus tells them, go and approach, go to, go and show yourselves to the priests. Go into this village and show yourselves to the priests. And Jesus says, if you do this, uh, th then you will uh, be cleansed. Um, and so uh, they all did this. They went, they showed themselves to the priests on an act of faith. And lo and behold, they were cleansed from this disease of leprosy, this disease that, that really hindered their lives. And so what I really want to take note of here is that here, these 10 lepers, they approach Jesus. They, they have this idea that Jesus is able to heal them of this leprosy. And Jesus does indeed heal them of their leprosy through the power that God gave to Jesus and so what I really want to take note of this morning is how do the 10 lepers respond to this grace of God? You know, grace, again, is undeserved favor. When we receive something that we do not deserve, how do the lepers respond to this grace of God? And so we read in verse 15 as we continue. It reads, Then one of them, one of the 10 that were healed, one of the 10 lepers, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. So here, a Samaritan, one of the ten lepers, we don't uh, necessarily know from this account who the other nine lepers were, whether they were Samaritans or Jews, but we do know that this one person who gave thanks to Jesus was a Samaritan. And the historical context behind this, the Samaritans and the Jews, they did not get along with one another. But here, this Samaritan man, he goes, he, he is cleansed, and as he presents himself to the priest and is cleansed, he thinks, ah, I have got to go thank the good Lord Jesus. And, and so this man, he, he goes back to Jesus, and he's praising God with a loud voice. I mean, this isn't just, thank you, God, thank you, but he's praising, praise be to God, I've been healed of leprosy. And he went and he approached Jesus, and he fell at Jesus' feet, bowing before his Lord and Savior, thanking him for healing him of this leprosy, this disease that, again, severely hindered him and his lifestyle. So that's one man, one of the ten. You know, one of the ten came back and gave thanks to both God and Jesus. I guess the Samaritan recognized that Jesus only had power because God gave him that power. Now the question is, what about the 90%? What, what, what about the other nine uh, who were healed just like this one Samaritan person? What did the other nine do? And so Jesus, we, we, we see what happens. Jesus, as a Samaritan man, comes to him thanking him. This is Jesus' answer to the one man. He said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so here Jesus, as a Samaritan man, returns to him to give him thanks, to praise him and his, his heavenly father, God, Yahweh, uh, the creator of all things, the giver of all 
good gifts. Jesus' response to this man is not, oh, you're welcome. It, it, it was my great pleasure. Jesus, I'm sure, said something along those lines. But in, in this recording in the book of Luke, the next things that we see come out of the words of Jesus' mouth were not ten cleansed. Jesus did not forget. He did not forget that ten were sick and ten were healed. Where are the nine? He did not forget that these ten were healed and nine did failed to give thanks to God and his son, Jesus. And the one who did give thanks, though, I love this, in verse 19, Jesus says, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Where not only is your, the, your body has been made well, but your, your, your whole being, your soul, your, your heart has been made well because of your faith. And so here in this one story, we, we, we see two completely different reactions to the same gift. We have the gift of healing, the gift of being healed from leprosy. And we have nine people over here fail to give thanks. And we have one person who gives thanks to God and gives thanks to Jesus as well. And too often in uh, my personal experience and what I have, um, you know, seen around me, too often, especially here in America, uh, we are like the nine lepers who were healed, who have been blessed by God, who have received grace, undeserved favor, and we fail to give the thanks back to God. But sometimes, truth be told, we are an ungrateful bunch of people. At times, we are all ungrateful. We focus, a lot of us, we like to focus, society in general, lots of generalizations here this morning, but society in general focuses on all the bad things in our lives. That's what the news gives us. There, there's some very smart people in this media industry, and these very smart people have identified that people want to hear the bad news. They don't want to hear about the people being healed. They don't want to hear the good news, but we want to hear the awful news that is taking place place around us because we as human beings human nature we like to focus on the negative and when we focus on the negative so often when we focus on all the bad things in our life we just take for granted the hundreds the thousands and the millions of reasons that you and i have to be grateful today we forget all of that, when we, when we just set our minds and focusing on these bad things that happen to us. Matthew Henry, uh, a well-known Bible uh, commentator, a commentator who I use uh, from time to time, uh, one day he was robbed of his wallet. And that same night that he was robbed of his wallet, he wrote in his, di in his diary uh, what he was thankful for. And this is what he wrote in his diary, that one, he was thankful that he had never been robbed before. Two, he was thankful that even though they took his wallet, they did not take his life. Three, he's thankful that even though they took it all that was in his wallet, it wasn't very much. Uh, some robber would be disappointed uh, in that regard. And finally, he was thankful that he was the one being robbed and that he wasn't the one robbing someone else. And I love this, uh, a guy in whom I consume some of his material, and that the same day that he was robbed of his wallet, he stopped, he took a minute, he reflected, he wrote in his diary the reasons as to which 
he was grateful. And when it comes down to it, even in the crummiest situations in our lives, we still have so many reasons to be grateful. You know, one of the greatest heartbreaks that someone will face in their lifetime is the death of a loved one. We've all experienced that. We've, we've all have experienced the death of a loved one. But even in the midst of the sorrow and the pain and the trauma of losing a loved one, we can be thankful that, hey, we got X amount of time with that loved one, whether that be a couple days, weeks, months, years, decades, whatever it may be, we can be thankful that we had that time with that loved one. We can be thankful that they are resting in peace now. They're not experiencing pain no more. They, they have no memories. They have no recollection. They are resting in peace. They are free from pain and sorrow. We can be thankful that they have affected us in a positive way. We can be thankful that we have these joyful memories with them. And all the more important, if they were a Christian, which it can be a big if, if they were a Christian, though, then, of course, we could be thankful that one day, one day we will be reunited with them and God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right, including death, including sin, including pain and sorrow that will all be made right. And so we could be grateful that we have that promise to be reunited with them in God's kingdom. And so this is just one example of some of the awful scenarios, situations that we go through and finding the reasons in which we can be grateful. We can go through the whole list of all the crummy situations that we are all going through, and we can all find reasons to be grateful. For no matter what we are going through in our lives, we serve a good, good God, the giver of all good gifts. I mean, we, we just got done going through a seven-week series talking about how we have been saved from sin, where you and I, we deserve death. The wages of sin is death, but we've been saved from that. We should be grateful. We, we, we should be filled with gratitude to God. We should be grateful that we are children of God. We should be grateful that we are forgiven, that we are saints, that we're different from the rest of the world. We have so many reasons to be grateful. The problem is a lot of times we enact the actions of the nine lepers, and we have all of these reasons in which we should be grateful, but we fail to give thanks to God, and that's an issue that we have to confront day in and day out. And so today, I really want to make an emphasis. Today, I really want to make a point to not be those nine lepers who were healed, who were given good grace by God and failed to recognize it. But today, I really want to make an emphasis to make a point to be that one leper, that one leper who was healed. And what did he do when he received that good gift? From God and his son Jesus, he went back and he gave thanks. He praised God and he gave thanks to Jesus. So that's exactly what we are going to do here in a minute. Uh, as I'm sure you all have noticed, we have a tree back here. If you walked in, you saw there were a handful of leaves. 
Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to take, I, I'm not exactly sure how long this is going to take, 10, 15 minutes, however long it takes for us to write down stuff that we are grateful and use all of the leaves back there. There, there was just a, a few more than 100 leaves. The uh, kids downstairs took a handful of them. So we'll take about the next 10 or 15 minutes and we'll go, we'll take the leaves, we'll write down to God what we are thankful for. Because I'm telling you, no matter what you are going through, you have reasons to be grateful. And so I want you to take time and contemplate and consider the reasons that we as God's children, the reasons in which we can be thankful. I don't want you to just write one thing on the leaf, but I want you to fill up those leaves with things that you are thankful to God for. And so there are pens back there. There are leaves. If you didn't already grab one, a handful of us are going to need to write down two or maybe even three different leaves. We're going to go until all the leaves are gone and we have given God the praise and the thanks and the gratitude that he so much deserves every day of our lives. And so once you have written down uh, on your leaf things that you are thankful for, we have tape up here, and you can tape it up here on the tree. And at the end of it, we'll have a, a nice-looking tree of all the reasons that we, as a church, have to give thanks to God for being a good, good God. So go ahead and go start writing um, on your leaf or leaves. And again, they're back there behind Jacob if you haven't already gotten one. So go 